When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's V-Week on ESPN as we continue Jim Balvano's fight against cancer. So far this month, six ACC quarterbacks that started their team's opening game have entered the transfer portal. They are headlined by Clemson's DJ Uyunglele and NC State's Devin Leary, but also former Boston College quarterback Phil Jakovic, who will transfer to Pitt. In the wake of so many quarterbacks in the ACC saying yes to the portal, North Carolina QB Drake May turned to Twitter last night regarding where he will play next year, and he says, could never leave this place. I'm a Tar Heel. I'm Wendy Nix, and happy to have with us college football insider Pete Thamel. And interesting that you now have to say you're not entering the portal, Pete. Why is this? Well, Wendy, it's a new world, and we've really seen it the last uh, four days or so here in college football. Drake May, if he had gone to open market, could have commanded millions of dollars. Uh, Caleb Williams obviously showed us the interest in a top-flight quarterback being available after having a productive season last year when he went from Oklahoma to USC. Drake May's dad played quarterback at UNC. His brother hit one of the most famous shots in school history on a national title run, and he rooms at UNC with another brother. I mean, he probably had uh, Tar Heel blue pajamas when he was growing up. (laughs) So I think for Drake May, the calculus was he was comfortable there. It was home. He's certainly been productive there. And with the rumors that had sprouted up last week that he may be exploring a change, those were not true, and he wanted the world to know he's staying at UNC. Well, good for him, but not staying at UNC. Current uh, offensive coordinator Phil Longo, who heads to Wisconsin. Uh, Where did the Tar Heels turn given his departure? Really good question, Wendy. And this could be somewhat of a blessing in disguise for Drake May and his NFL development. Uh, Phil Longo ran a wildly successful offense numerically while he was at UNC. They were always the top of the charts in yards, points, etc., That offense, however, isn't a noted incubator for NFL quarterbacks in terms of reads and and how the game is played on the next level. Um, I was told that Drake May will have a small voice in this process, just in terms of who's brought in. And Mac Brown is an inclusive guy who obviously is smart enough to keep his star player happy. So look for someone with some maybe some NFL experience and for UNC's scheme to evolve a little bit and not be such a spread tempo offense. Yeah, Max made it clear, Pete, he's willing to audible. Uh, let's talk about other head coaching vacancies. We've got one at Stanford right now who apparently are narrowing the list here. Yes, yeah, Stanford's the, really the last big-name uh, program remaining other than Purdue to, uh, to have a vacancy, Wendy. And my sources have told me it's really down to two primary candidates right now. One is Sacramento State coach Troy Taylor. He visited there this week. Sacramento State plays tomorrow night in the FCS playoffs. And then there's a big name, Jason Garrett. He was on campus late this week, and he's thought to be also a primary target. Garrett obviously went to Princeton, 
uh, brings that type of background to Stanford and obviously brings quarterback pedigree, which is something that school's been noted for. Uh, no decision's been made. I'd expect something in the next 24 to 36 hours. Stanford's getting close. All right, Pete, thank you. We say hello now to Joey Galloway and Stanford Steve. And, Joey, you heard what Pete had to say about Longo's departure, leaving North Carolina as the OC, heading to Wisconsin. Uh, what type of impact do you think this will have on Drake May's development? It all just depends on who comes in, who's the next offensive coordinator. Obviously, Drake May is a very talented quarterback, uh, which we watched this season, uh, and he has some room to grow. Uh, when, you, when you watch him play, you can tell he's a young man with a, with a big ceiling and a lot of room to get better as a quarterback, and so it will depend on who Mac Brown brings in to be his next coach. It's interesting you see Longo go from Chapel Hill to Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, I think the bigger question is, what is Wisconsin's offense going to look like? That'll be more interesting than watching <laughs> who North Carolina brings in. I agree with you, Joey. But when you think about North Carolina, I just look at the idea of the opportunity that they bring right now, right? Drake May, we've seen the ability. He could throw it. He could run it. He could do all the intangibles. I would think about trying to bring in a guy who's really good at protecting your quarterback and being more sound on your offensive line because that's where it really got into trouble late in this season. Team started scheming, and Drake May was running for his life a lot in those last couple losses of the game. So I think a guy that could come in and bring more structure, be stronger in your pass protection and run game to help your quarterback upright, stay upright, I think that's what the priority should be at Chapel Hill. Uh, that's always a benefit, keeping him clean, uh, Steve. Listen, in other news and notes, we've got players who are entering the portal. We've got players who are declaring for the NFL draft and, of course, some who are indicating they will not play in their team's bowl games. We knew Will Levis was headed for the draft. Now we know he will also opt out of Kentucky's bowl game. Also, running back Chris Rodriguez will not play for the Wildcats in the Transperfect Music City Bowl. Those two, by the way, uh, accounting for almost 77% of Kentucky's total offensive production. Notre Dame tight end Michael Meyer telling ESPN he too is declaring for the draft. He's a top prospect at his position. Number eight overall on Mel Kuyper's big board and leaves Notre Dame as the most productive tight end in school history. He'll skip the Gator Bowl against South Carolina. And Florida quarterback Anthony Richardson also declaring for the NFL draft. Mel Kuyper has him as a redshirt sophomore, his fourth highest rated QB. And like these other high-profile names, Richardson will not play in Florida's bowl game. Steve, you and Joey, both former players, both played in bowls. We will soon see the playoff expand, right? We'll go from 4 to 12, which means these bowls, a lot of them, will be incorporated in the playoff. Will that change some of these decisions, do you think? I don't think so. I just think we're in a different age here, Wendy. You know, you talk about including more bowls. We're still going to have plenty of other bowls that teams are going to make, you know, that are over 500. And it's just a different age. You know, Joey and I, Joey played at the highest level. I played college football to go to bowl games. Some of the best times of my life were going to bowl games, hanging out with my buddies for two weeks. You had a little per diem money in your pocket. Times were great. But now these guys already got money in their pocket. So the priorities have changed and try and further their careers. Like I said, it's a different world now than it was. But I don't think that the expansion of bowls is going to help guys not playing them. I think the top 12 teams, the teams that are getting into this playoff, I think that their players will play. Anything outside of that is going to be continued down this path, just like you said, Steve. It's interesting to me now when we're sitting on Selection Sunday uh, and you know who the playoff is, 
and they start to announce the other bowls, you can basically just start crossing off players. Yeah. Anything outside the playoff, yep. you can just start Xing them out. You know, we know they're not going to play. So as we try to get excited about a maybe a Tennessee-Clemson matchup uh, or, or an Alabama game and a bowl game, and you literally know it's going to look like a team getting ready for a spring game because all the stars will not be there playing on the team. So you're going to get a glimpse at – what are we going to look like next season? Who's the next quarterback, the next running back? That's just what we have now. Hopefully, the 12 teams that get in, all their players play. Yeah, the genie's out of bottle on that one, I think, guys. To your point, uh, Steve and Joey, I, I, I don't think we're going to return in the opposite direction. Uh, we're going to keep going forward here on College Football Live as well, still to come. If you could have one quarterback in one game with a national championship on the line, who would it be? We play a little take your pick when we come back. They have something to prove. We all have something to prove. Think about what you've done to get here. Think about the work you've done to get this opportunity. Got a chance to do something special, man. It comes down to the team that wants it the most. We ain't played our best yet. We ain't played our best yet. There ain't no doubt in my mind this team is ready. And ready or not, here comes the playoff. The field is set. The semifinals will be played on December 31st, a.k.a. New Year's Eve. Number one, Georgia facing number four, Ohio State. That's the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. While number two, Michigan will face number three, TCU, in the Verbo Fiesta Bowl. 23 days until the playoff kicks off, so let's spotlight the quarterbacks as we so often do. Joey, if you have one quarterback to win these two games or to win a national championship, one shot, who do you take? I'm going to take Stetson Bennett simply because I've seen him do it. I haven't seen the other guys do it yet. Uh, not saying that they're not capable, not saying that they're not talented, but I've seen Stetson Bennett play in this type of game, play in this type of situation. Last year played well, got his team to win a national championship, and now he's back at it playing big in big games. Now, if you're asking who has the most upside, uh, who would be the best in the NFL draft, who has the best future, that question, that answer might change. But winning a national championship, Stetson Bennett obviously has done it, so I would trust him to do it. I hate to do it, but I got to agree with Joey. Stetson Bennett, we've seen it. We've seen the national championship trailing in the second half of the game, and he goes out and gets the job done for his team. And now you feel a little, a little more excitement out of him, knowing what's at stake, knowing he's done it, and knowing the idea of what back-to-back -back national champions would mean to his legacy, to the school's legacy. Stetson Bennett's the guy out of these four for me also. Yeah, he's almost playing with house money at this point, Steve, given what he's already accomplished at Georgia. Which of these quarterbacks, Steve, in your opinion, has the most to gain in the next few games? Oh, I think it's J.J. McCarthy. J.J. McCarthy, if you watch what he's done throughout this season, the way he is ascending and going up is is, is more than anybody at this time. When the stakes were high, he played his best game. I went into the Illinois game earlier this year wondering if he had to throw the ball for in order for to win that game. And what happens, Blake Corum unfortunately gets hurt, and he leads two late drives to get the win there. 
Then, in the biggest spot of the season, he goes to Columbus, plays his best ball, keeps his team in the game in the first half where things got dicey. But I think J.J. McCarthy can ascend to, I mean, the history of the school, what he could bring to the school that they've been waiting for for so long, I think he has the most to gain. I'm going to go on the other side of uh, what J.J. McCarthy accomplished in Columbus, Ohio. I'm going with C.J. Stroud and, and what he didn't accomplish in Columbus, Ohio. And, and he's addressed this uh, after the Michigan game, how he hasn't beat Michigan. Uh, there's some question marks as to can he win the big game. We know he's talented. We know he'll be a top 10, tick, 10 pick in the, in the NFL draft. But as far as the big games uh, are concerned, as far as the big moments are concerned, he's addressed it. He hasn't been able to pull his team through those big games to wins. So this is obviously the biggest opportunity of them all. Nobody thought Ohio State would get in. They get in, and now they have the number one team in the country by far. And if C.J. Stroud can pull this off, he'll be a legend. I just look at the other side, Joey. If he is not able to pull this off, and does not play well in this game against Georgia. Think about the season and how it went for him. Heisman front runner the majority of the season and then doesn't come up big when he, when the school needs him, the coaching staff, the fan base, when the when the when the stage is that big and he doesn't come through, I just wonder about the narrative and his future moving forward. But obviously, you don't want to see that happen for a kid, you know, with the stage this big. So, I'm, I'm, I'm I want to see him play well when the, when the lights are brightest. Entering the playoff, guys, Stroud third in total QBR in yards per attempt and tied for first in passing touchdowns this season. Elsewhere, we've seen a lot of coaching news in the past week. And, of course, this one you can file under a homecoming for Louisville's Jeff Brom. The former Cardinal leaves Purdue and is back at his alma mater after agreeing to become Louisville's next head coach. He spent five years at that school as a player from 89 to 93. That was followed by a short stint in the NFL. His college head coaching career began at Western Kentucky in 2014, where he led the Hilltoppers to three straight bowl wins, and that was prior to landing at Purdue. And Steve, in so many ways, this has been a marriage a long time in the making. They wanted this five years ago. It didn't yeah. work out. Uh, so it seems like a natural fit, no? Absolutely. I mean, a guy going back home, it always works well. And I just look at what he did at Purdue, Wendy. I kind of think he got to the top of what you could do there. When you look at Louisville compared to Purdue, there's better resources. There's more investment in succeeding as a football program. Purdue finally got to a Big Ten title game. I think that's the ceiling for Purdue's football program. Whereas you go to the ACC, we look how down that league is as a whole. I think the improvement could happen a lot faster at Louisville with Brom at his old school. I agree with you, Steve, on, on the upside for playing in Louisville, playing uh, in the ACC, uh, much easier conference as we're starting to see teams get much closer to Clemson now, who's owned that league for a long time. Uh, the parity in the ACC seems to be much more greater than it is in the Big Ten. And so if you can get out of the Big Ten West, you still have to get through Ohio State, Michigan, maybe Penn State, Michigan mm. State. So it's tough to win the Big Ten. So I agree with you. Going back to Louisville, going back home, uh, I think he's 51 years old. This just seems like the right move to make. All right, guys, let's take a look at our Heisman update brought to you by Nissan as we get closer and closer to Saturday's announcements. USC quarterback Caleb Williams has been outstanding. 47 total touchdowns, just shy of 4,500 total yards, both of which school records. 
He joins Mac Jones in 2020 as the only two FBS players in the last five seasons with 4,000 yards and five or fewer turnovers. Here's what he had to say about what a Heisman would mean to him. It is one of my goals uh, just because it's one of the awards that kind of says that you're you know, one of the best players in the nation. Um, and um, I think you know, I've, I've worked hard for it. Um, to be the best player in the nation, that's always my goal is to be the best player in the nation, um, be the best player in the world. Um, so getting one of these would, would be pretty cool, um, but I, I couldn't have done it without um, the eight old linemen that played throughout the season, my seven to eight to ten wide receivers that played, um, you know, all, all of our running backs that stepped up in big moments, um, the defense, um, the special teams. Wouldn't, I wouldn't be in this, this position and possibly to be able to win without them. Williams has been named the AP Player of the Year. Will he also take home the Heisman? You can find out Saturday, the 88th Annual Heisman Trophy Ceremony presented by Nissan. That's at 8 o'clock Eastern on ESPN and the ESPN app. And tonight, the 32nd Annual Home Depot College Football Awards Show, a two-hour extravaganza. Reese Davis will host. Our coverage begins at 7 o'clock Eastern, 4 Pacific on ESPN and also the app. There has not been a first-round draft pick from Army in nearly 50 years. Coming up, we'll introduce you to a cadet who's hoping to snap that drought. That's when we come back on College Football Live. This Heisman Update is brought to you by Nissan, premier partner of the Heisman Trophy. Time now for your weekend wake up presented by Wendy's Breakfast. Andre Carter, 6'7", 260 pound senior. He's taken the long road to West Point and perhaps sooner the long road to the NFL. He entered the fall as a preseason All-American, also a fixture on every mock NFL draft board as a can't miss prospect. If he is chosen in the first round, Carter would be the first NFL first round pick from Army since 1947. I chose to come to West Point because of the opportunity that it presents itself to serve this country. Uh, the great education that you get here, one of the top leadership institutions in the nation. And just also the opportunity to play Division I football at a high level is just something that you really can't get in a lot of places that you can get here. One hit, reset, two. Right, right. Typically, we have morning formation at 6.40. After that, we go to breakfast. And then I usually have two or three classes. We talked about legal, just the rules and regulation of taking on a project like this. Report. After classes, we have another formation again, just to get accountability of everybody and make sure everybody's going to lunch. After lunch, I'll uh, come up to the stadium, go to treatment, workouts, practice, and then uh, eat dinner at the stadium and then kind of have a little bit of time to get into my homework and studies for the night. Nice. There's a lot thrown at you, but over time you kind of get used to handling all your responsibilities. So just being able to balance that with academics and football is something you just get better with over time. Freshman year, I was real light coming in and wasn't ready to play. Didn't prove to the coaches that I deserved to be out there. My sophomore year, I still hadn't earn the trust of my coaches to become that full-time starter till the end of the season. 
my junior year becoming a starter. Felt like I had a really good understanding of the defense and me and my teammates were able to do some great things uh, last year. I think the turning point was finally getting that first opportunity to start. Really just be able to play free and just let loose. Pressure coming. Porter popped through to make the contact. Andre Carter tips the football beautifully. Oh, yet another sack for Andre Carter. Post-graduation, I really just want to be the best leader that I can be for my future soldiers uh, and for the Army. Athletically, it's always been my dream to play in the NFL, so uh, I've been blessed with this opportunity. I'm really grateful to have it, and I just want to make the most of it. Since 1969, only two Army players have been drafted, the last in 2008. And, guys, if he is drafted, he hopes he'll be granted a deferment and uh, serve the military after his NFL career is complete. There is still a little time for hijinks, though, in advance of the Army-Navy game, of course, coming up on Saturday. Take a look at this, and it is confirmed these are midshipmen from the Naval Academy flying up along the Hudson River towards West Point. And they say, yes, they did drop ping-pong balls and leaflets all over campus that said, fly Navy, beat Army. You can also see that under the wings of those planes. Only these two schools, you got guys who can just fly up there for the prank, right? None of this, none of this riding a bus kind of stuff. Uh, and, Steve, I know you've got a little tidbit for anyone planning to bet on this game. Yeah, it's amazing, Wendy. 16 years in a row, this game has gone under the total. And how good Vegas is with their numbers, 16 years, every game has still gone under. And I just love everything about this game. If there's a football game that is a complete opposite of Joey Galloway, it's Army-Navy. There's no sewn-up jerseys, you know, sewn up to show off the abs. There's no high white socks. There's no tight spats. This is about lining up, getting a three-point stance, and getting after it. There's no Galloways on the field in this game. Yeah, Army averages 29 points a game, and Navy averages 22. My calculations, that's above 32 and a half, Steve. So are you still saying we want to take the under? I, I don't know about that. All right, be the one. Be the be one. The, somebody's got to be the one, right? It is a, an outstanding tradition, no matter how you look at it. Army-Navy coming up on Saturday, and you can better believe not a single one of those guys is opting out of this one, not by a long shot. Uh, so much more to talk about next week on College Football Live as we make our way towards bowl season, everybody. Uh, get ready to go bowling the end of next week. We'll see you then. Have a great night. <laughs>